the Woodside Church Podcast. Good morning. My name's David Devonish, and it's my privilege in this series on knowing God that I bring my second message on the doctrine or the truth about the Trinity. Last week, we explained what is meant by Trinity. That is, there is only one God, but that one God is revealed to us in Father, Son and Holy Spirit, three persons. If you didn't listen to that, I suggest you do to catch up because it's like the foundation for what I'm going to say in, on the outworking of the doctrine of the Trinity for us during this message. Jesus, as God the Son, has revealed God the Father to us. And so we can know God. Because of God the Son coming and living as a man, we can know God. But also, because of God the Holy Spirit coming upon us, we can experience God. And that is the beauty and the wonder of the doctrine of the Trinity. We can know God and we can experience the presence of God. We can know his presence, his healing, his love, his power and his truth. And so we're going to look now at how the truth of the Trinity helps us in prayer, in worship, in unity and in fellowship and intimacy with God, but also in our mission together. And I'm going to read one scripture, but we'll refer to others as we go through. And I'm going to read from a letter that the Apostle John, one of the original disciples of Jesus, wrote. He wrote it towards the end of his life, and he starts off reflecting on his and the other twelve and the other eleven disciples, their experience with Jesus. And he writes this in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4. We proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning. That is, has always existed, is God in other words whom we have heard and seen. We saw him, the Son of God, with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. The one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him. That's the original 12 disciples. And now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the Father. And then, when he came down to earth, he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you what we ourselves have actually seen and heard, so that you may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. The joy of knowing and experiencing fellowship and intimacy with God. Let's be expecting to know that joy this morning. Often when we think about a religion, we think in terms of 
doctrine to be believed, and that's true, but not the whole truth. We think of perhaps rules to be kept or rituals to be followed or good works to be done, which is important, of course. But John here speaks of Christianity as fellowship, as relationship with God, with each other, and announced to others in the gospel so that they can experience it too. That's John's definition of the Christian faith here. Relationship with God, with one another, and announced and proclaimed to the world for them to, for, for those who believe to enter into that relationship. And this word fellowship translates a Greek word, forgive me for using that, koinonia, which is very, very strong word. It means everything we share together, our community. It was used of a business partnership. We are doing this together. It was used of marriage, described as a koinonia of life. It's a close and intimate relationship into which people enter. And God himself, and this is the doctrine of the Trinity, exists in perfect koinonia. He is Trinity. God is the pattern for all that is good. He is perfect in relationships. He is a perfect team, we might humbly say. He is perfect community. Hence, in this section, we experience the Son with the Father. And we are to enter that community life through God's grace. It says the original apostles saw and handled the intimate words, the working out of the relationship between the Father and the Son. By the way, this scripture stresses the physicality of the Christian faith. It's not just mystical or spiritual. And of course, we can't fully experience that during lockdown. The word we touched or handled, how that would have been, I don't know. Uh, would it be an Eastern way of friendship with the arms around the shoulders? And Christianity has physical bread and wine to remember Jesus by. Physical baptism in water. We're exhorted to greet one another with a holy kiss or whatever might be the cultural equivalent in, in whatever culture you come from. Now, online is the best we can do during social distancing and lockdown, and we're very grateful for it. But don't allow it to become a long-term substitute, because we're meant to be together physically. So, that was just by the by. But the practical outworking here of the doctrine of the Trinity. Firstly, prayer. Now, prayer in the New Testament is primarily... Not only, but primarily to the Father, through the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we need to enjoy the relationship that Jesus described as the privilege of saying Father. Jesus said as well, we can ask for anything in his, that's Jesus' name, the Son. Now, obviously, we can pray simply God, as many do. But the biblical pattern is consciously approaching the Father and enjoying that relationship. Even in the way you express your prayer, don't uh, deprive yourself of saying, Father, 
our Father in heaven. And we do it in the name of Jesus, consciously embracing as we pray the power of that name, the honour of that name. Ending a prayer in the name of Jesus or in Jesus' name, it's not just a religious expression. If embraced in faith, it's powerful. The Trinity is involved. Of course, we can appropriately pray to God the Son, Jesus himself. Lord, help me. Lord Jesus, I need you. We can pray to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill me again. Ezekiel, a prophet in the Old Testament, was told to prophesy over a valley of dry bones, prophesy to the wind, and and in Greek and Hebrew, wind and spirit are the same word, calling upon the spirit to move over dead dry bones, a powerful prophetic action. We also know that when we pray, we can pray in the spirit. He is our helper, our comforter. He prays through us, the Bible says, when we don't know what to say. And often we don't when we're praying with groans that we that we wouldn't be able to express it. Or we can pray with the gift of languages that the Holy Spirit can give us as a gift. Different languages we don't understand, but we pray. And Jesus, the Son, is standing by us, praying for us. He says he intercedes, that's praise on behalf of us. He, when you're failing in something, he pleads his blood for your forgiveness, that he died and shed his blood that you should be forgiven. And Jesus is praying alongside us and with us. It's amazing. This is the Trinity at work in our lives that we're privileged to have fellowship with. And then worship. Again, Worship is so important. And the way the Bible summarizes the New Testament, our privilege of worship is Trinitarian. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18, for through him, that's Jesus it's talking about, the God, the Son, we both, that was two people that were in dispute with each other, Jew and Gentile, in Christ, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. See, worship is to the Father, through the Son. His death makes it possible for us to come into the presence of God and in the power of the Spirit. He goes on to describe the church. It speaks about Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. We often sing about that. The most important part of the building In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. That's when we're together. We are God's temple together. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. When we come together, Jesus is the cornerstone, the most important part. God dwells with us in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we worship the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God in Trinity. But also, Jesus particularly leads us to worship the Father. And the Holy Spirit's function is to glorify Jesus. So he leads us to worship Jesus. This is what's happening when we're together. 
to him who sits on the throne, the Father, and to the Lamb, it says in the book of Revelation, giving a view of worship in heaven. Now, last week, I referred to the early creeds, early statements of faith, which all Christians believe. And I want to introduce a man called Athanasius, who was one of the great church fathers. Athanasius was an African, and he was very, very bold. In fact, one time, because uh, Christianity at that time was in danger of moving away from truth into heresy, and they said to Athanasius, the world's against you, Athanasius. Athanasius said, well then, Athanasius is against the world. And he uh, really uh, stood for biblical truth at a difficult time. He also wrote letters concerning the Holy Spirit, restoring a fuller understanding of the Holy Spirit in the Trinity, which was needed at the time and is today. And shortly after his death, the Athanasian Creed was written down, summarising Athanasius's teaching and says wonderful and important things about the Trinity that lead me to worship the beauty of God as three in one. It's amazing. I read a tweet just this week and it said this. When in England we were still worshipping pagan idols back in the fourth century, an African was writing a scholarly book on the doctrine of the Trinity. Amen. You need to remember that. And Athanasius, I just hope you can get hold of this. When I read this creed, I just worship God. It's got words that so wonderfully describe the Trinity. So as I read it, shout hallelujah where you are. It says, we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. I'll explain that in a minute. For there's one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Spirit, but the Godhead, that's being God of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, he's all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Hallelujah. Now, what does that mean? Neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. Often when, people, when we pray today, we can confuse the persons. Forgive me if I just give an example. I've heard sometimes people can pray. Well, Father, we worship you. We thank you for dying on the cross for us. And then we bring in Jesus, but no, no, the Father didn't die on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. The Son died on the cross. We don't confuse the persons. You say, well, does that matter? God looks on the heart. Yes, your heart might be right with God, but truth needs to be relayed through the generations. So we don't confuse the persons when we're praying. And we don't divide the substance by speaking as if Jesus is just a man or the Holy Spirit just a force. No, Jesus is God. The Holy Spirit is a person who is God. And so our worship must be in truth as well as in spirit. And so we don't 
confused the persons. Otherwise, the doctrine of the Trinity begins to get lost. And then, thirdly, it helps us with our unity in fellowship. Jesus was passionately concerned for the unity of the church. He bases this on the model of the Trinity as the standard for us. However, he didn't just give a command, he prayed for it. But his prayer reveals his heart, which we would want to follow. He says this, My prayer, as he's praying for his disciples, is not for them alone, the original 12. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That all of them may be one Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. What's this meaning? That we may be one, like the Father and the Son, who are totally one in purpose and in desire? Is it impossible? It doesn't mean uniformity. God is wonderfully creative doesn't mean we won't from time to time have different views or emphases but it does mean that we as Paul expressed it make every effort effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit Ephesians 4 verse 3 so we don't speak badly of each other in the local church or about different denominations sadly on social media that happens today though as in the early church we resist heresy and false teaching But even so, we keep loving those being deceived by it. You see, God himself, as we saw earlier, exists in perfect community. So if we are created in his image, then we are created for community, not for isolation. We're loving one another, worked out in plurality in leadership, worked out through our community groups in the local church to be genuinely a community reflecting the perfect community which is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the first apostles, as we read, had fellowship with the Father and the Son. And we are drawn into that fellowship. We believe their message, the gospel. So we have fellowship with them, and therefore intimacy with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Wonderful, wonderful. Also, the doctrine of the Trinity demonstrates the importance of mission to the world. The Father, it says, sent the Son. That's mission. The Father and the Son sent the Holy Spirit. That's mission. God is a missionary God. He's sending. In particular, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of mission. He is theologically, in the creeds say, the one who proceeds. He moves. He blows. He comes like a river or like a fire to enable our mission to all people. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses throughout the earth. In conclusion, let's return to the Athanasian Creed. It helps us to worship. I just read from Matt Redman, who writes a lot of our songs this week. He said this, weak revelation of truth, that is, ultimately leads to weak response. And dumbed down songs in the end lead to diluted discipleship. We need truth. And here is how the truth was expressed. Just listen and worship God. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, such is the Holy Spirit, the Father uncreated, that they've always existed, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated. The Father incomprehensible, that means we can never fully understand God. Remember that. He's beyond us. 
Yet he reveals himself to us. The Son, incomprehensible, and the Holy Spirit, incomprehensible. The Father, eternal, lasts forever, always has been. The Son, eternal, the Holy Spirit, eternal. Yet they are not three eternals, but one eternal. So likewise, the Father is almighty. Praise God. Say hallelujah. The Son, almighty, and the Holy Spirit, almighty. Yet they're not three almighties, but one almighty. So the Father is God. The Son is God. The Holy Spirit is God. Yet they are not three gods, but one God. Now, I'm just going to bring something to you on this. We often sing the carol, O come all ye faithful. And some words in there were taken from the Athanasian Creed. You may not have recognised it, but you always sing them at Christmas many times. And it says about Jesus, begotten, not created. When you sing that, do you know what it means? Well, here it's explained. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. In other words, he's always Father. The Son is of the Father alone, not made not created, but begotten. What does that mean? It means the Son was always Son. Eternally, eternally, he is Son to Father. And the Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made, nor created, nor begotten, but proceeding. In other words, the Holy Spirit is God on the move. The Son, <coughs> excuse me, the Son is God revealed. The Holy Spirit is God on the move, or the Son reveals God, rather. And so when we sing that song, we say, yes, begotten, not created. He was never made. He always has been. He's always been the Son, but he came into, into as a baby in Bethlehem's manger. And then Athanasius goes on. And in this trinity, none is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal. So that in all things, the unity in trinity and the trinity in unity is to be worshipped. Worship him. Worship this trinity God. It's beautiful. It's wonderful that he can be one God, but three persons, and we can be in fellowship with him. Wow. As the hymn writer put it, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty. God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Worship him, worship him. Worship this wonderful God, this beauty of who God is, totally united, one true God, always eternal, but the Son always the Son, the Spirit always moving upon us. Hallelujah. And now I'm going to pray and pronounce a blessing which also comes from the Trinity. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship 
koinonia, intimate relationship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. May we worship our wonderful God. May we be intimately involved with our wonderful God. Oh, hallelujah. We praise you, Lord. Father, we praise you, God in Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.